Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Hey, help me welcome my internet audience. Y'all are awesome. Hanging out at home. So glad you're with us. Hey, hey, before you sit down, hold on one second. Tell somebody next to you, you're looking real fine. You're looking real fine. Tell them, you're looking real fine. And then go ahead and have a seat. Tell them, you're looking real fine. Real fine. Real fine. Real fine. <laughs> hey, my name's Nick. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Meadowbrook Church, and it's good to be with all of you tonight. Um, and uh, if you are a young adult, uh, we do have a service just for you every Monday at 7 o'clock right here called C20. Any my C20 peeps in the house? Yeah, yeah, we got some. So if you are 18 to 30 years of age, every Monday night, 7 o'clock right here, we have a service just for you. It's, good. it's a lot of fun. Uh, but before I jump into the message, I want to give honor where honor is due. Uh, do y'all love our lead pastor, Pastor Tim? Can we give honor to Pastor Tim right now? Can we just give it up for him? Pastor Tim, if you are watching, uh, I want to be like you when I grow up. I do, I'm for real. I want to be like you when I grow up. I really do. Um, if, if my ministry is half as successful as yours, I would count that as a great success. If I'm half the man you are, I would count that as a great success as well. Thank you for leveraging your platform and giving young guys like me a shot. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we give it up for one more time? One more time. Awesome. Well, I've heard, I've heard it said that. I've heard this old phrase. I've heard it said that, maybe you've heard this before, that a, a good friend will come bail you out of jail. But a great friend, a best friend, will be sitting next to you in the cell going, man, that was fun. You ever heard that before? Well, let me tell you, as someone who's been arrested, that's the most ridiculous, idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life. When I was in the cell, I didn't need some idiot sitting next to me going, oh, man, that was fun. I needed someone on the outside. I need someone who could help me, someone that I could count on. Do y'all want to know why I was arrested? I'm never going to tell you. I'm never going to tell you. Just know that Pastor Nick's got street cred, okay? Just know. I got street cred, all right? That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. Who we associate with, our relationships are so very important to the health of our lives. Amen? They're so, so important. And I would wager to guess that every important life-altering decision you've ever made was made under the influence of someone else. When you decided to go to that college, any UF grads and alumni in the house, go Gators, any Bulls, USF, come on, we're irrelevant, but we are proud. (laughs) Go Bulls. But Going to that college, you probably had help from friends or family members rooting you on, you know, kind of helping you, steering you where to go. Or maybe marrying that person or not marrying that person. You're like, I think this is the one. And maybe friends or family are like, they are. Go for it. But maybe you said, this is the one. And friends or family were like, no, she's crazy. Run away. (laughs) Run away. And you didn't marry. The most pivotal life-altering decisions, you probably made it under the influence of other people. Maybe took the decision to go into all that debt, buy that car you can't afford, to impress people to spot, at a stoplight you'll never meet, and you probably wouldn't even like if you met them. 
You bought that car you couldn't afford. Why? Probably under the influence of somebody else trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All all those decisions. Maybe the decision to come to church. I don't think any of us woke up one day and said, you know what? I want to go to church. It was under the influence of someone else. A wife, a husband. Maybe your kids came with somebody else, and now they wake you up to come to church on Sunday mornings. What a great problem to have. Or maybe a coworker or a friend or, a, or, or a, someone uh, on the street just wouldn't leave you alone, wouldn't shut up about this Meadowbrook Church place. And you came under their influence, but you loved it. Your life's changed. Your family's changed. You have purpose. You have forgiveness. You have new hope. You made that decision to come to church, probably not on your own, but you got invited under the influence of somebody else. All these life-altering decisions, all these huge decisions we've made, we're probably made under the influence of others. Relationships are powerful. Relationships are so important. And I would, I would just argue that we have to get this right. So I want to talk about relationships tonight. I want to say relationships. Yeah, relationships. So I want to set a biblical foundation for relationships. And I'm, so, I'm talking friendships, all, all that good stuff. Just people you know in your, not, in your life. So relationships. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Paul is talking to Christians right now. So just so you know, if you're not a Christian, uh, you get a pass. You don't have to do any of this stuff. We're glad you're here. You can just laugh at us and how ridiculous we have to be, okay? You can just laugh at us, okay? But Christian, Paul is talking to Christians, Right now. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. This is what Paul says. He says, don't be misled. Don't wander about. Don't get lost. I am what you would call directionally challenged. Anybody else in here directionally challenged? You couldn't find your way out of a paper bag. Like if somebody puts something over your head, you're like, oh, I don't know where to go. I don't know where I am. Like seriously, I've been here for a year and a half. That's how long I've uh, worked at Meadowbrook Church and, and been here. I know how to get home and here. That's it. I kid you not. Without Siri and Google Maps, I would still be lost to this day. So Paul's saying, hey, don't be misled. Don't wander about. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company, unhealthy relationships brings down good character. I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Izu, Izu, give it up for Izu right quick. Did he do a great job up here? All right, Izu. I'm about, to, I'm about to make you look bad in front of all these people. No, I was playing. So I, I'm going to try and pull you up as hard as I can. And I need you to try and pull me down. Because this verse, as hard as you can, okay, you watch it. Don't rip my jeans. They're very tight. <laughs> I know y'all were thinking it. What I think is interesting because Paul said, hey, <laughs> y'all like that? What's interesting is Paul said, hey, bad company brings down good character. He did not say Good character brings up bad company. He didn't say that. He said bad company, that's you, (laughs) brings down good character. So I'm going to try and pull you up with everything I have, okay? All right, let's do this. Ready? Go. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, sit down and shut up. You just made me look like a sissy in front of all these people. So, all right, so why did I lose? Why did I just get my butt kicked in front of all of you guys, okay? Because I was outnumbered. It was Izu. My, my muscles are obviously bigger than his, okay? But it was Izu plus gravity. The natural pull of the earth. Once I came over it all, I was done for. Izu, his influence, plus the natural pull of the earth, gravity, 
brought me down, no problem. Why did Paul say that bad company brings down good character, not the other way around? Because you're outnumbered. It's the other person's influence, bad company, plus the natural sin nature within you, the natural pull to do what they're doing. There's a, there's a power in you, your flesh, that wants to sin, that wants to do what they're doing. It's them plus the sin nature within you against you. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. That's why missional dating never works. Oh. Just so you know, that's why missional dating never works. But he's so hot. Sorry. I've, I've heard so many stories of, well, usually, it's usually girls, but guys too, that try and date somebody, bring them to Christ, and it always backfires. Why? Because they're outnumbered. Relationships are so powerful. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul, again, talking to Christians about relationships, says this. 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17. He says, avoid godless chatter. You know, people that are just talking sinfully, you know, just living a crazy life. Because those who indulge in it, those that are around it, have relationship in it, will become more and more ungodly. That will impact you. That will rub off on you. Verse 17, it's the... He paints a crazy word picture for us. He says their teaching will spread like gangrene. Have you all ever seen gangrene? Okay. So I have a picture. Don't show it yet. I know. So I'm going to give you a second. If you have like a weak stomach, okay, do not look, okay? And just so, just so you know, don't go home and Google image search this. This is the, the least disgusting one that I could find, okay? I cannot unsee what I have seen. All right, so, um, so five, four, three, two, one. Show it. Okay, that is what gangrene looks like. Now, what, how, how does gangrene even happen? Well, that part of that person's hand is actually dead, it's dead and it's rotting away because it stopped getting the natural blood flow, the nutrients that cause life. Nutrients have, yeah, thank you for taking that off, has stopped flowing to it. So that part of that person's body actually begins to die. It's dead on you. Paul says that relationship with gangrene people, unhealthy people, people that are bringing you down, does the same exact thing spiritually. Parts of who you are, parts of your soul begin to die, begins to wither, still attached. How does that happen? Well, the parts of you stop getting the flow. Stop getting the spiritual nutrients that leads to life in Christ. It stops getting fellowship with believers. It stops getting accountability. It stops getting joy and encouragement. It stops getting worship. It stops getting the Bible. It stops getting biblical teaching. It stops getting serving. It stops getting all of those things flowing to your soul that leads to life and life more abundantly. And when a part of you begins to wither and die, the gangrene gets a hold of your soul You find yourself numb. You can't feel like you used to feel. You're not, you can't feel God's conviction like you used to feel it. 
You ever had like a, a numb foot or something? Like you've sat too long, you're like. <laughs> you ever, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't feel it anymore. Or you've ever been to the dentist and they numb you up and they can just drill and. And they can just drill and drill and drill because you're numb. When a part of you dies, it becomes numb. And then you find yourself in places with people that you said you'd never go. And you'd never do that. You find yourself in places with people that used to cause you to stop. That used to cause you to repent. That used to cause you to proceed with caution. But because a part of you has been infected by spiritual gangrene, you can't feel it anymore. Everyone say relationships. Are we okay? Oh, is this too heavy? Too bad. We're going to keep going. Here's some gangrene relationship profiles for you. So these are the most common sort of gangrene relationship profiles that when you see one of these, I want a little little, uh, flag to go up in your soul. Just, mm, nope. Careful. First one is the chronically negative. The chronically negative. This is like the gossiper that wants to come to you and they're like, and everything, nothing's ever good enough. They're super critical, judgmental. They're like, can you believe she's trying to wear those jeans? Who she thinks she is, Beyonce? She can't work it like that. She doesn't have all that. She, she hasn't got it going on like that. The chronically negative, just nothing's good enough. They're judgmental. They're critical. And it rubs off. And you find yourself the same. The second one is the controller. The controller. And these people are overbearing. They're demanding uh, they're manipulative. They, they will say things and do things to get you to do what they want to do. And, and sometimes, honestly, they're abusive. And I want you to know in here, if you're in a physically abusive relationship, we want to help. Tell somebody. Get some separation. We want to help. I mean, I, I could roll up in there with a ski mask and a couple people that are barely saved. And we can handle that mess. You know what I'm saying? We can handle that right now. I've been doing CrossFit and I'm testosterone fired up. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But no, but for real, but for real, for real. If you're in a relationship that's abusive, we want to help. We have a whole department for that. We want to help you. We have a care department. Let us know. We want to help you. Is that too far? All right. The last one is the tempter. Woo! A gangrene relationship, the tempter. This could be the friends of yours that are always wanting to go out for drinks. And you know it always goes too far and you have too many. You got to call a cab or you got to call Uber. And it just goes too far. This could be that boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're dating, that's always just trying to get up on you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And you're trying to be pure. You're trying to pursue God. And I'm just going to say this. People, dating people, listen to me. We got got a lot of you in here. Just don't be booty blind. Listen, don't, don't do it. Nine out of ten pastors agree that booty blindness is the number one cause of guilt and shame in your life. My name's Pastor Nick, and I approve this message. All right? Yes. (laughs) I'm going to get fired for that. All right. Okay. But I I do want to be clear. Let's clear it up. As a Christian, our goal in every relationship is to minister, okay? Okay? It's to minister, it's to be a light, it's to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a lost and broken world. That's our role. However, if you are unhealthy, you're no good to anybody else. Amen? If you're unhealthy, you're no good to anybody else. So honestly, your first priority is your spiritual health. 
That's your first priority, your spiritual health. Because what happens when you're on, a, you're on an airplane, we've all flown before probably, the FAA tells us, hey, when we're going down, something's going to pop up. What's going to pop down? A mask. And they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help other people. Because the FAA knows if you fall out, you're no good to anybody else. If you pass out, you're, no, you're, you're of no help to anybody. You're just rug burn face on the floor and no help to anybody else. Put your mask on first and then help other people. When it comes to our relationships, I want your focus, first and foremost, to be your spiritual health. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, I just want to clear that up. So, so you're probably thinking, okay, I think I need to hear this message because I have some people that I'm thinking about in my life that might be pulling me down. So how do I deal with it? What does that look like? I want to share with you how we can manage gangrene relationships. And we're going to use Joseph in the Old Testament to do it. So uh, we're going to be in Genesis 39 together. Genesis 39, if you have a Bible. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, and also, if you don't have a Bible, there's a, a free app called the YouVersion. You could download right now. Uh, or we have Bibles in the back that you could use. It's your choice. So Genesis 39, and just to get you up to date, Joseph <clears throat> was a dreamer. He got a dream by God. Um, that one day he was going to be an authority, have influence over his family, uh, his parents, and his brothers. And they didn't like that very much. Uh, anybody have a, a, a younger sibling? And if they came to you and like, I'm going to be your boss one day, I'd say, shut up. No, you're not. <laughs> For real. So they didn't like that very much. The brothers didn't like it so much they sold him into slavery. Okay? So we find Joseph in slavery in Egypt at this guy's house named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was a big deal. He was actually over the whole palace guard in Egypt. So he was a noble. Uh, he had influence. He had power. He had money. And Joseph actually found favor in Potiphar's household. He was a slave, but Potiphar actually um, uh, promoted him. So he was actually over his whole household. Pretty cool. So Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, we'll read this together. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. So it kind of, I wear aqua de jo uh, cologne. So I always think about like maybe Joseph was like an aqua de jo model or like a cologne model. You know, they always pop out of the water. <laughs> and they always whisper the name, aqua de jo. You know what I mean? And then they do, then they do the fish model face. Yeah, right? Aqua de jo. So Joseph was good looking. He was good looking. Okay, so Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Aqua de show. Verse 7. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look lust at him lustfully. Did this get hot in here? Oh, dang. All right. Now, I do want to preface as well. Potiphar was probably, uh, Potiphar's wife was probably very good looking. Because Potiphar was over the whole palace guard. He had money. He had influence. He had power. Big house probably because he had a bunch of slaves. Um, so we're going to call uh, Potiphar's wife Hotifer from, for the rest of the time together. So Hotifer, because he had his pick, man. She was good looking. So Hotifer, she said, oh, my gosh, this is in the Bible. This is crazy. She says, come and sleep with me, she demanded. So I'm going to confess something to you guys real quick. <laughs> Sometimes when I go home at night, I just want to cuddle. I just want my wife to hold me. 
I just want to hold hands. But you know what chicks are? Only got one thing on their mind, man. Only got one thing on their mind. And I said, look, baby, I'm not a piece of meat. I'm a person with feelings and emotions. Pray for me, please. (laughs) All right, verse 8. Yeah, yeah, okay. So she said, come and sleep with me. Verse 8, Joseph refused. He said, look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. So sometimes Joseph had to be with Hotifer, but it was on his terms. He, sometimes they had to be together, but he got out of her way as much as possible. This was a gangrene relationship in Joseph's life. So number one, simply, I just want to help you be, be very practical. Number one, how to manage gangrene relationships is set healthy boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. And I know that this is difficult because the people in your life are there for a reason, because you love them. You care about them. They wouldn't be in your life if you didn't care about them. You'd kick them to the curb. You'd unfollow. It's simple as that. You would take them off of your top eight on MySpace. You know what I'm talking about back in the... I'm still on MySpace. All right. But Joseph was very clear in what he was and was not going to do in that relationship. Joseph set very clear boundaries. I'm not going to sleep with you. And I'm going to stay out of your way as much as possible. Here's a line in the sand. Do not cross it. Don't you do it. Uh Uh-uh. Set healthy boundaries. So I want to give you some very practical phrases that you can use. And you can even tell them that Pastor Nick told you to do it. Because I know it's awkward. You know, like, how do I even start this conversation? What do I even do? So here's one. You can say, I won't let you talk to me or treat me that way. That's it. Just very simple, very clear. Set a healthy boundary. I won't let you talk to me or treat me that way. I just won't let you do it. So if that friend comes up and wants to gossip about other people and give you that good juicy stuff, you're like, I want to hear it, but no, I won't let you talk to me about that stuff anymore. I just won't, I I can't go there. I won't do it. It's not good for my soul. And you don't got to preach at them, but just be very clear. I won't let you talk to me about that stuff anymore. I can't do it. Or if that person wants to be abusive or manipulative, you can say, look, I'm not going to let you treat me that way anymore. Just set a clear line in the sand. Set healthy boundaries. I know this is practical, but it's helpful. It's helpful. I know it's simple, but it'll help you. Clear line in the sand. I won't let you treat me like that anymore. I just won't do it. I can't. Or that guy comes up to you at the gym, and you're trying to get your swole on. Curls for the girls, and you're doing your thing over there. And your buddy's like, hey, man, you check out that girl over there doing her squat thrust. You're like, no, I won't let you. Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell them, for real. You're trying to pursue God. You're trying to be pure. You're trying to love your wife. No, I won't let you talk to me about that stuff anymore. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Set healthy, clear boundaries. Clear, clear boundaries. Here, here's some more. Here's another phrase. I'm not going there with you. That's it. You don't got to even elaborate or thump them over the head with the Bible. I'm not going there with you. If you're maybe trying to get out of a party lifestyle and maybe abuse, substance abuse has been in your past, it's probably not a good idea to go out 
to the club or the bar with your friends. Probably not a good idea. You can just say, I'm just not going there. I love you, but I'm just not going there with you. I can't go there with you. And if you're dating, (laughs) I would say, I can't go back to your apartment. I'm not going there with you. Because let's be honest, for real, you're not stupid. You're not dumb. (laughs) A movie on the couch turns into bound chicka wow wow. Real quick, you're not dumb. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You're smart people. Let's call it, let's be real, okay? Can we be real in this place? Can we be real? Just say, look, I like you. That's why I'm dating you. But I'm, I'm just not going there. Let's do this right. I'm just not going there. You don't got to make it a big deal, but just set that clear, healthy boundary. I'm just not going there. I'm just not going there. And here for the, all my married people, please, don't have coffee or chat on Facebook with old boyfriends and girlfriends. I'm not going there with you. And here's, here's actually a rule that my wife and I have. And it's not a rule just for obedience sake. It's a rule because it's a healthy boundary. I'm never alone, ever alone with someone of the opposite sex. Never. Not even an elevator. I'll step off. Yeah. And thank you. All my married people know. Yeah. Seriously, even an elevator, I'll just step off. Why? Because you're not going to break it down in public with somebody. And if you do, that's probably another issue. I don't know. We have a counseling department for that, I guess. So, But for real, never be alone with someone of the opposite sex. What a healthy boundary. Nothing's going to happen. Just set that healthy boundary. It's worth it. So that's what Joseph did. He said, look, I'm not going to be around you unless we have to be, unless other people are around. I'm going to avoid you, and I'm going to set healthy boundaries. We're not going there. But probably you're thinking, all right, all right, great. That sounds awesome. But what if they keep pressing? Like what if they're a habitual line stepper? Like you keep doing the lines and they keep crossing them over and over and over again. What happens? Check it out. Joseph gives us a good picture. So Genesis 39 verse 10. She kept putting pressure, Hotifer did, on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her can't touch this. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. Remember, he set healthy boundaries, okay? Verse 11. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. Uh Uh-oh. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. (sighs) 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 Joseph tore himself away. Uh Uh-uh. Tore himself away. But he left his cloak in her hand, and ran from the house. He said, you keep the cloak for your weird cloak collection, you weirdo. I'm out of here. I'm out. Number two. (laughs) Cut off the gangrene relationship. But let let me preface. This is very important. I'm not talking about marriage, and I'm not talking about family. You fight for family. If you're married, husband, wife, parent, child, brother, sister, you fight. You fight for that relationship. That's blood. You fight for that relationship. This is not marriage. You fight for that. And I also want to say this is not something that should be done frequently or easily. This should be a last resort sort of thing. 
Because I want you all to have relationships with people that don't believe in Jesus. I want you to have a lot of friendships with people that don't see the world how you see the world because we need to be a light. However, those relationships need to be on your terms with healthy boundaries. Why? Because it's so much easier to be pulled down than for you to pull them up. And it's not even your job to pull them up. It's Jesus' job to pull them up. So what do we do? To get rid of gangrene, sometimes you have to amputate. Sometimes, (laughs) what is he going to (laughs) do? You won't won't forget this message. (laughs) Medically speaking, sometimes, often, the only way to get rid of gangrene is to amputate, is to cut it off, is to separate the dead part from that which is still living to save the rest. You've got to cut it off. Remember, this isn't something to do frequently or easily. This is a last resort because I want you to be healthy first. So here's the question I want you to simply ask yourself tonight. Ask yourself, and I want you to ask God in your heart. Do I need to amputate a gangrene relationship? Do I need to cut off a relationship that's continually pulling me away from the things of God. I want you to ask yourself these questions that will help you give some clarity to that. Am I doing things that I know aren't God's best for my life? Am I going places that I know are setting me up to fall? Am I making decisions that I swore I would never make? Am I less sensitive to God's loving conviction when I sin? Am I making excuses for drifting further and further from God? Do I need to amputate a gangrene relationship? But here's the kicker. I don't want you to just cut people off and then isolate yourself on this little Christian island, okay? I want to help you more than anything else find the right relationships. Because yes, you need to cut some off, but then you need to fill those slots in your life with the right people, with the right relationships. And I'm going to be honest, that's the reason we have small groups here at our church. If you're not involved in a small group, you will never have the community that you need to see the Christian life through for you. I am a Christian today, not because of a worship service, but because of a small group of men that we would work out and then we just pray for each other afterwards. That's it. That's the reason I'm a Christian today. A small group. That's where you're going to find the right relationships. That's where you're going to find community. That's where you're going to find people that can keep you accountable and can encourage you and pray for you and love you through the hard times that you don't even love yourself through. You're going to find that in a group. You can go out to the small groups hub right after service and It's never too late. It's never too late to have a group. And 
honestly, that's why here at our church, we want to make it so easy for you to connect. And that's why we have growth track. Growth track every Sunday morning at, at 1030 and noon in, in the room right across the hall. You get to learn more about our church, meet some people, have the opportunity to jump on the dream team. Any dream teamers in the house? Can we celebrate our dream team real quick? Can we give it up for our dream team? All the people that serve us so faithfully. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But you can be a part of getting to know people, not just community for community's sake, but community on mission to reach people for Jesus. You can be a part of of that. You're invited into that. That's where you're going to find the right relationships. We can't do this thing alone, church. I I sure as heck cannot. God himself is a relational God. All throughout the Bible, he says, hey, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a personal God, and relationships are important to me. And more than anything else, honestly, I want to help you find the right relationship. The only relationship that can change everything for you in an instant. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's our last verse, and then we'll close together. John 15, 13. This is what Jesus, oh God, what a great heart he has. This is what he says. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What I love about our God, only our God, wants to be Lord, Savior, but also friend. That you and I can know God and have a personal, intimate relationship. Not just as Lord, which he is, sovereign over the ages and the world and the universe. Not just as Savior, which he is, that he made a way through Jesus where there was no way. But he wants to be friend. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you as friend. He wants to be someone you come to in time of need and time of celebration. Jesus says, look, I want to be friend. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. I want to encourage you tonight if you feel like maybe there's some parts of you that are spiritually dead, maybe because of spiritual gangrene, been hanging out with the wrong people, influenced for a long time to do the, the wrong things that are taking you away from the things of God, you feel like maybe parts of you are dead, I have good news for you. Our God specializes in turning dead things to life. He specializes in it. And if you're in here tonight, and you feel like, I need some resurrecting. I need God to resurrect my soul. I need new life in Christ. I want to encourage you, friend. You are in the right place. And I want to help you find the right relationship right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed in here. No one looking around. We're going to pray a simple prayer together. But I want to know who I'm praying with. If you're in here, and you would say, you know what? I'm not a Christian. I don't understand this whole church thing, this God thing, but something's different about tonight. I want to tell you that's God working on your heart. God's here and he loves you and he cares. And you're not here by accident. And friend, I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to the earth 
as God in the flesh. And he lived a perfect sinless life that you and I cannot live. You are not perfect and neither am I. Surely you've broken your own rules. You've done things that you promised yourself you'd never do. So if there is a perfect God with a perfect standard, you fall short and so do I. So Jesus lived a perfect life we couldn't live. And then he died a death on a cross with a crown of thorns on his head and nails through his wrists and through his feet. He died a horrific death death in our place so that you could be forgiven for all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your yesterdays, all the things you've done in the darkness that you never want to bring to the light. He knows and he loves you anyway. He died to forgive you for your sins. He died so that you could have a life full of purpose, meaning, hope, fulfillment, joy in this life. And so that you could live an eternity with God in heaven. And Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, died on that cross. But three days later, rose in power over sin and death and ascended to heaven. So that you and I could know God and have a relationship with him forever. If you're in this place and you want to come back to God, you want to have a relationship with God for the first time, or you want to return back to God, you feel like parts of you need to be resurrected, you have some gangrene on you, you want to come back to God, you want to be made right with him right now. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Lift your hand right now if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then look up, look up at me if that's you. Look up. So proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. So proud of you. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family of God. Come on. Welcome to the family of God. So proud of you. Anybody else? I want Jesus tonight. Yeah, I see you back there. Come on. Come on, baby. Welcome to the family of God. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Come on. Come on. That's beautiful. And then you put your hand down. Yeah, I see you back there. Awesome. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Repeat after me for the benefit of those who are praying it for the first time. Repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. Even when I didn't love you. Right now, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And I give you that place in my life. I know I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I accept it. Make me brand new. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit, with your love, with your joy, with your peace. And help me to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.